Amen. What a, um, man, what an awesome, can we give it up one more time for the Camp Kako crew? Man, so good to see lives being changed. If you're in junior high and high school, we'd love to get you connected into our youth group as well. But today, you stay in service with mom and dad. Uh, but I got, I feel like the Lord has given us a good word uh, this morning for all of us, no matter what age or grade you're in. Um, but hey, if you missed it last week, it was such a beautiful, um, I believe it was like a historic service for our church. Like God shifted this new generational passing of the torch. Um, and man, I could, I could talk about it forever because it was such a beautiful moment for me. I just want to say from like the depth of my soul, um, how much I love being a part of this church. Like honestly, and it, um, it, it, what resonated me, I was leaving, I was talking with someone, I didn't have the words for it, but people were like, oh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? And I was like, you know what? It's a good thing I'm holding the paddle because it felt like I was in a full canoe. You ever know that feeling? <laughs> we were like, no. But it, it didn't. It felt like the love and the support was genuinely overwhelming for me, and I had no words for it. I just felt like, brah, thank you, Jesus, for this church family, for what God is doing here. And what he's stirring in us, and this is why we're doing this new season, is something that is new. Now, growing up, I don't know about you guys, I, uh, I always always told that God was sovereign. That was the word that was thrown at me, and like I went to Christian schools and church and stuff, like God is sovereign, like amen, that means God is like in charge of all things, he is above all things, he is bigger, he is great, he's immaculate, which is amazing, by the way, that God, he's, he's the one who created the entire universe, and he's the one that lives in me at the same time. Okay, this is crazy, but he is sovereign of all things, from my heart to the cosmos, everything in between, God is in it and through it, and it sits in his hand. What an amazing God. And then I learned that God is good, that he's compassionate, and he loves us, and he's with you, and he's for you, and he's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you, and he never will. Like, that's how good he is, yeah? And then I remember one time I was talking with a pastor, and the pastor said this to me one time. He's like, I am so grateful that God is, he didn't say great, he didn't say powerful, he didn't even say good, he said, man, my God is new. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's a word we don't use to describe God, that my God is a new God. I'm like, what? wait a minute. When we think a new God, we're thinking, oh, wait, like we just made him up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we just like, oh, he's, he's, no, he's thousands of years old. He's the alpha and the omega. He goes back before time. He's not a new God, right? But here's what he means by that. We don't use this word to describe God, but God is actually the king of newness. Does that make sense? That everything that is new is initiated from the spirit of the one who's created all things. And you see it in every little aspect of life. I was thinking about the, the wildness of creation. When God set the earth into motion, that we have this earth, this cylindrical, not cylindrical, spherical planet that spins, right? And as it spins, there's a moon that spins around it. And as the moon spins around, it's spinning, it's spinning around the sun, okay? <laughs> it's just like, think about this. So we wake up every day, how we experience the, these like amazing processes of nature is we wake up every day, the sun comes up, and then the sun goes down. And the next day, it's a new day again. That there is a renewal of every single day, but it's constant and it's good, amen? This is the heart of God. There is a continual renewing that happens in our spirit from a consistent source who is good and powerful and new. <laughs> Amen. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, but he's the God of all changing. He's the God who loves to shift and to pivot. And we see this throughout scripture. 
When humans make mistakes throughout the Bible story, God shifts, he pivots, he makes things new again. When we burn things to the ground, he's like, hold on, I'm going to restore that really quick. He's always ready to bring something new into our lives. This is who he is. So God is the king of newness, but yet for so many of us, we're always thinking about him as like the God who, man, Christianity has been around a long time. (laughs) It's an old religion, and we get stuck in the old ways of thinking, and this is what's really cool is that when you actually read intently the words of Jesus, you realize Jesus actually came to abolish old ways of thinking and to start changing us from the inside out to keep making us new. What an amazing God he is. Amen? So we're going to kind of explore that today. And what we're, what we're aiming for in the next several weeks is this, is that the king of newness, there's several biblical, huge biblical themes that God wants us to know that he has made things new and is continually renewing things. So he's called us into a new covenant, into a new family. He's given you a new heart. And so we're going to talk about what all this newness means for you and I. And my prayer is, and my genuine belief in faith, is that God is going to unveil some of our eyes when we get stuck and when we get bored and when we get hindered in the faith, that God is going to remove it and say, don't you see how much I have still in store for you? How much newness is before you? Amen? How many of you in this room this morning could say, I could use a new refreshing wind of the Spirit? (laughs) Amen. I need to be reminded that God is bigger than my circumstances, that he is always bringing something new, and I don't have to get stuck in the same old ruts of life. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 43, he promises this. When Jesus becomes the center of all newness, Isaiah 43 says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, remember he's talking when when Israel was coming out of exile in Egypt, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. The God who parted the seas for Israel collapsed the enemy. He says, just like that, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing what? A new thing. I'm doing something new. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Don't you see it happening right in front of your eyes? Did you guys know that even in our bodies, I heard this crazy stat that even like our organs, our heart, our liver are only a couple years old, if you think about it, because the constant cells that are being replaced as old cells die and new cells come, our body is constantly renewing itself. Isn't that wild? Like, this is a part of, this is the design of a God who is constantly looking for renewal. He's constantly looking to take what is old and make it new. So don't you perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in a wasteland. This is what it means for you and me. We live in dry seasons. We go through hard times. We endure suffering in this planet. He's promising that in the same way he parted the seas and dropped those chariots so his people could make a way, he's going to make a way for you too. Can you trust that he's going to do something new to make a way? Amen? This is, the pro- this is what he's asking. Can you actually see what I'm doing? Now, this is a prophecy of Christ. Christ is that way. This is what he's pointing at. Isaiah the prophet is saying this. He's, saying, he's doing a new thing. He's going to bring a redeemer, a savior, who's going to be this stream in the wasteland. So good. I was talking with Meg, and she's in psychology, and so we're talking about neural pathways. <laughs> this is what we talk about at dinner time. So we're talking about neural pathways. She says it's interesting because a lot of her work as a therapist is helping people getting out of the same rut of thinking. 
We, it's, we, I call it stinking thinking patterns, right? So I'm not good enough leads to I'm going to do this to make myself feel better. And when I do this to make myself feel better, I end up feeling worse, which then amplifies I don't, I'm not good enough, which amplifies me doing what I'm doing. And you see the cycle that happens in our stinking thinking patterns, and it's so hard to break it because the neural pathways connect these dots. You're not good enough. Go back to your addiction. Oh, yeah, you're worse now. Go back to the addiction or whatever the pattern is. We all get, have our own stinking thinking patterns, and it gets mundane. It gets frustrating. We feel stuck. And God's promise is that he can come in and make a new pathway for hope, for joy, for peace in your life that surpasses understanding. It breaks the chain of stinking thinking patterns. And so what Meg said, which I found this really interesting, in your brain, when you have a new idea, if you feel stuck on a problem and you're going looping it over in your head, and then the solution comes, you know that feeling where you're like, oh my gosh, a new idea. Finally, it actually releases endorphins. Like there is something rejuvenating in your spirit when you come up with a new idea. Or when you see things from a new perspective and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that before. I really wish I had seen that earlier. That would have totally helped me figure out what's going on. These kinds of moments, these aha moments, are little when you're, when you're in your loop and then all of a sudden a new pathway, a new neural pathway opens up and your brain goes around the loop and says, wait, there's a different way. Yeah? This is the, this is the, the trajectory of our heart with Jesus. Is he says, you are not stuck in your pattern with Jesus. There's always another way. And it literally releases endorphins in our spirit. I believe it. It makes us happy. So I want to just encourage you, if you feel stuck or bored or hindered in your faith, your life can change in an instant with Jesus. I've seen it so many times. With Jesus, when you invite him into your heart, there's newness available to you right away. It's crazy. I was just currently at, um, at a family event on the mainland, and I was talking with some family members who were, um, who were kind of hurt and burned by the church in the past, and they never talk about faith. They never want to talk about Jesus. And so I was just sitting there eating, like a burger or something, and one of them came up to me and just started asking me questions. Like, what do you do for a job? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. What does a pastor do? Well, let me tell you what a pastor does. And that turned into not just what my job is, but we started talking about the characteristics of God. And so other family members were looking around and were like, what's happening? And they, like total God opening their hearts, were asking these questions. And then I found out from their story that they've never felt received by Christians before because a couple of really traumatic things that happened in their past where they felt like you weren't good enough from Christian people, they weren't allowed in the church for different reasons. And so this kind of stuff drove them away. All that to say, I just said, can I tell you about a new kind of Jesus? And I told them about the Jesus who threw out the religious system, the Jesus who rebuked the Pharisees, the Jesus who said, see all the hypocrisy you see? Jesus actually called that out here, 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 and here. Jesus is actually for you. He would actually rather eat with you than some of them, right? And they're just like, literally, the word of this family member was like, Mark, I've never heard about that Jesus before, right? So I wanted to ask you this question. Could it be that your perception of Jesus is limited by your own experience but could it be that he is greater than you have currently experienced to this date? Ask yourself that. Is it possible that God could do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or think? That would be a true statement in your heart. Because I believe he can. And this is what I'm hopeful for, 
is any time I feel like I'm in a rut and every time I feel like I'm in a dry season, I remember there is a God who is constantly trying to renew things. And that is so encouraging to my spirit because he is trying to do something that you have never experienced before. He wants to show you something you've never seen before. He do, I believe that. He really does. And so we're going to take a look at this next verse, which will kind of help break this up. Oh, for, I want to say this first, is that God's newness begins with the shifting of perspectives. Isn't that good? So God's newness begins with the shifting of perspectives. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? We have to shift our thinking. We have to shift our perspectives if we're actually going to catch what Jesus is trying to do. And so this is where Paul says it this way. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. When we are renewed in our paradigms, our perspectives of things, when we start seeing things the way God does, we have this way of this, this, we're allowing newness to enter our lives in such a powerful new way. So if you're looking for something new, ask yourself, is there a perspective that I'm holding that is not of God? Is there something that I'm clinging to that God is saying, no, let that go because I want to show you something bigger than what you see. This is what God always does. This, I'll give you a classic story of this. My first youth camp, good thing we saw that video. My first youth camp was in 2014, I want to say. And in 2014, we took the kids to the big island. And even in 2014, theologically, I'm like, yeah, God can do miracles. But in my heart, I was like, no, God doesn't do that anymore. Like that's something we read in the Bible, but I'm like, it never happens. When people do it, they're just faking it, all this kind of stuff. There is something that shifted in my perspective at that camp because I saw a kid get prayed over who I watched him break his ankle during a game outside. Still send your kids to youth camp, please. Don't worry about that. Never <laughs> happens. Super rare. Super rare. Never happens. I seen the kid literally like bend his ankle in a really weird way. I'm like, oh, that's boss. And like three days later, he's getting wheeled around in a wheelchair. Last day of camp, he gets prayed over in healing. And literally, I've, I literally watched the kid hobble around all three days of camp. As soon as they prayed for him, he stood straight up out of his wheelchair and he took that bandage off. He rotated his ankle and he just started bouncing around. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> was he just faking it in my mind? He was faking his injury. He was never really injured. No, but that's not the truth. God healed him in a miraculous way. Another really cool thing that happened too at that same camp was uh, speaking in tongues. I was just like, oh, I, I'm, I'm never, I never want to do it, so it's whatever. I don't really feel strongly for it, but I don't think God really does it. My mind was so limited. My, I was limiting God so much with my own perspective that in that camp, the Holy Spirit came in me and I, something clicked in my mind. I understood why the spiritual gift of tongues is such a precious gift to God. And I started just speaking it out and it just started happening. And I was like, what the heck? So now I can't go home and tell everybody God doesn't speak and you know, give the gifts of tongues when I just did it. You know what I mean? So there's a disconnect for me, and it made me have to address my perspective on things. And it made me renew my expectation of God. Isn't that good? I can now expect higher because I've experienced something deeper. That's the, that is what God is drawing us into. So isn't that... Oh, bro. So remember in Luke chapter 4, you might remember this story. Jesus goes to his hometown. And Jesus has just come off like a, a, a slew of miracles. He's just like healing people left and right. He takes his disciples. He's like, come check out my hometown. They go, and they saw this Jesus grow up as a kid. And he goes to his hometown, and he tries to heal. And he tries to minister and preach the gospel. And what does it say in the scripture? It says that he could not perform any miracles because of the unbelief of his hometown. 
He was still just baby Jesus in their eyes. Their perspective was small. In the words of Pastor Jonah, too small your Jesus. You know what I mean? That's the only Pastor Jonah can say. But his, their perception of Jesus was so small that nothing new could tra- take place in their life. And what Jesus did, what I love this about the story, is he showed them that, and then he started sending them out. And he said, when you get rejected, don't forget I just got rejected too. Keep moving on. Because there is going to be someone with a big enough capacity in their spirit to allow newness in. So if, if they kick you out of the house, dust your shoes off, go to the next house. You'll find somebody who's willing to receive it. So God's newness begins when we're, our hearts and our minds are open to something new. Amen? And so I want to kind of encourage you with this too, that as I raise the bar of my expectation with God, my faith will, f- will have so much more room to grow. This is what I've seen in my own life. When I raise the, the expectation of God, okay, I've only seen God, right? So think about it this way. Our ex- expectation of God is limited to our experience of him. So I can only expect what I've currently encountered God, most of us. So the invitation for us is to do this is to have that curiosity to say, wait, could God do more than I've seen him do before? Could God step out in a larger way than I've actually currently experienced? Because if I'm basing my perception of Jesus, his power, his strength, his goodness, based on only what I have experienced, I'm putting him in a box. And I don't want to do that. So as soon as I raise the bar and I say, you know what, Jesus? Have your way. Blow my mind. Pray that prayer. Jesus, blow my mind. Surprise me. Do something I've never seen before. Yeah? What a crazy prayer. What if he actually answered that? What would that look like in your life? Come on. God, do something new I've never seen before. And he's like, shoots you like see. Oh, I could tell you so many stories of that. But here's the idea. As I grow in faith, I, I open the ceiling for what I'm expecting God to do. My faith will fill that gap. And out of that faith, I also grow in wisdom. Here's what I mean. Micah, I love baby Micah. He came back from, uh, he's just started preschool. And Micah just started preschool and he came back and he said the cutest, like, adorable thing. I got to video it. I'll video it when we get home. He said, Dad, God created all things. God created all things. I'm like, what are you, Micah, did you learn that at school today? Yeah, God created all things. So I'm like, is he just saying that or does he know what he's saying? So I said, Micah, did he create you? Yeah. Did he create the ocean? Yeah, he created the ocean. Did he create this? Did he create this? Yeah, he created all things. And it was such a revelation that sparked joy in his spirit because he finally found out where all people came from. You know what I mean? For real. He's like, I get it. I know where people came from. They came from him. He created all things. And this revelation sparked a new sense of joy in his spirit. And then I'm like, I want that. Lord, give me new revelation of you. Give me something new to grab onto because I want that fresh sense of joy in my spirit. And this is usually how it works. We usually find out that God is real in some way. Oh my gosh, God is real, and it rocks us. And we give our life to Jesus, and we say, I want to follow you. And then we find the full capacity of how he protects us, how he provides for us. And so everything that we're experiencing in life, he is like, we're having this fresh revelations of like who he is, and like we're reading scripture and going deeper in the word, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Jesus, this is incredible. And one thing leads to another. It goes like from God is real to God is strong to God is good all the way to God has purpose for my life and as I grow in each of those revelations and they keep continuing I now have more and more wisdom to share with other people know what Micah can tell you right now God created all things 
That's what he can tell you. For most of you, you've been in church a long time. You can, you can give people a lot more wisdom than that. Amen? And here's what I'm so excited for you guys. When, you're, when my kids, when your kids, when they start learning that Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for them and they have new life in his name and the spirit is available and power and truth for them to receive, when they get that revelation, can you imagine? It's, it's, it's beyond, anyway, here's the point. The more we grow in knowledge, the more our minds expand, the more God has room to do in our lives. If you're like, I got nothing to share, I don't know how to share my faith. I'll ask you, when was the last time you had a re- revelation about the goodness of God? Because as soon as you do, you got a lot to share. Amen? Like a true, like deep revelation, like it hits your soul kind. When you have those, you got something to say. Amen? So, moving on. Ephesians 4 says this. He says this, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on this new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is something absolutely new. It's new to the point where Paul says, don't this isn't like a both hand. Oh, hey, if you're going to be both like sinful and holy, try to do be a little bit more holy than you are sinful, right? God's going to like weigh it out and be like, oh, if you're a little bit on the holy side, you're good, right? No, he says, get rid of it. That's not you anymore. There's something new for you. Your purpose is new. Your meaning is new. The impact that God wants you to have in your life is new when you come to know Christ. So you're not defined by your work. You're not defined by your family. You're defined by him and his calling you out in whatever capacity that looks like. But that's going to be another week. We're going to talk about this new identity we have in Christ. But we are created to be God, uh, sorry, to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen? Amen. So here's the next part I want to talk to you about is this, is that God's newness is deeply connected to our sense of hope. So for many of us, we go through the ringer of life, we come to church, and we say like church becomes normalized, And we have this normalized perception of Jesus that he shows up at church. I experience him for 15 minutes during worship. Sometimes I hear something in the message. So Jesus kind of pops up and says a couple things, and he goes back down in his hole all week, right? This is the normalized version of Jesus that we've become accustomed to. Can I encourage you this morning? Do not normalize your current experience with Jesus. Don't normalize it. Expect higher. Expect greater. Because that is the invitation, we're going to read in the next verse, of new wine is that there has to be a greater expectation that leads for a greater encounter with Jesus. It has to come from that. And if we don't raise the bar of who we think God is, it's not going to happen. I've seen it too many times. I've, how many times I've answered the question with people, Pastor Mark, I just, I love God, but I'm having a hard time experiencing him. Right. Have you thrown off your old ways? <laughs> no. Have you expected him to do something? Do you walk in faith? Do you pray in faith? Do you pray with crazy kind faith that this could actually happen? Well, no. Okay, try that and see what happens. When we take our kids to Molokai, this is what we're talking about, is that God's newness, every single trip we've taken our kids to Molokai, every single trip has been new. There's been some kind of impact, some kind of encounter with Jesus that's different from the other ones. And that's what we started expecting. So it turns in, it changes our planning. When we go to Molokai, we plan it like a week in advance. I shouldn't say that out loud. But we plan it really late notice because there's a lot of configuring. Okay, 
how, Lord, a lot of listening to the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do when we're there? And sometimes we just kind of things fall into place last minute. It just happens. Point is this. We're so expectant that God's going to do something new, it doesn't matter what we plan. Because his ways are higher than my ways. Yeah? So this is, this is part of the, I heard this great story. This is a true story. So um, it was on a radio station, and the radio DJ was saying this. He said, hey, um, call in. We're going to talk about what are the biggest regrets in your life. And he just wanted to kind of pool the, the, uh, the people listening to the radio. What are the biggest regrets you've had in life? And so this guy calls in, and he says, this sounds weird, but when I was a kid, I really wanted a hamster. And so I got, my mom got me a hamster as a pet. We lived at the top of an apartment building, and me and my friend got bored one day, and I said, what would happen if we strapped this parachute to my hamster, took him to the top of the apartment building, and just let him loose? Like, what would happen? And so they did that. They went up, and they let him loose, but what they didn't know is, as they took him to the top, the wind picked up, and the hamster was pretty light. So when the wind picked him, he didn't float down. He went up and out, <laughs> like he took off. And so he's like, my biggest regret was we didn't take care. I really want to know what happened. I wish I didn't do anything to that hamster. Kid you not, like the next commercial break, someone calls in and they said, this is wild because I know exactly what that guy's talking about. I'm from the same town. I was in a house. I had been praying for a week for my mom. This is a true story. I was praying for a week for my mom. Mom, can I, or I asked my mom, can I get a pet, uh, a pet hamster? And the Christian mom obviously said, pray about it. That's the classic Christian parenting. If you don't want to give your kids something, just tell them to pray about it, okay? You sound spiritual. It takes time. You're killing time. You're, hopefully they forget about it. I kid you not, this parish, she was praying every day for a pet hamster. And one day, a hamster literally sailed in on a parachute into their thing. This is a true story. Isn't that wild? So here's the question. God's ways, if God's ways are higher than my ways, could there be hope that even in my deepest regret, God can make do with it and bless somebody else because of it? Amen? Like, what kind of God is that? That God is ridiculous. He's amazing. So God's newness is deeply tied to our hope. God will take all things and continue to bless people with even our most broken parts. <laughs> God is so good. Amen? It's a fully true story. It's so good. I was, I was crack it up. So here's the verse, the key verse that we're going to talk about during this series is Matthew 9. Now, Matthew 9, he talks about new wine. Before this, people are asking him religious questions. How come your disciples don't fast like other disciples fast, like other religious leaders fast? Shouldn't you be fasting? And Jesus tells them, he's like, fast for what? I'm right here. You're not waiting for me. I'm here with you. Yeah. So he's like, if I'm here with you, don't fast. If I go away again, he says, I'm going to go away again soon. Then you can fast again. But while I'm here, let's party. Let's just eat. So this is what he, this is basically what he tells them. So he says this, besides, who would patch old clo clothing on a new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. Cloth shrinks. If I got an old pair of jeans with a big hole and I use new cloth, it's going to shrink and it's going to pull away from that hole. He says, in the same way, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. You might have heard this before. Back in then, um, they had these wineskins is what they kept wine in, and they're from animals, and so they would expand. They'd be stretchy when they're new skins. They'd have um, stretchability. They'd have elasticity in them. So with that elasticity, the, the wine could ferment and grow but if you put it in an old, brittle wineskin, as the new wine expands, it would pop, it would burst, and it would start leaking all over the place. And so he says this, new wine is stored in new wineskins. 
Here's the invitation for that. If I'm going to bring something new into your life, you have to have the sole capacity to maintain it. You have to be able to contain the newness. And what does that containing look like? It looks like I am open, I'm available, I'm ready. God, do as you please. That's a flexible wineskin. So if he's going to bring something new into my life, I'm not going to shut it out because my old way of thinking won't allow me to get there. Amen? I cannot. I have to be open to something new. So new wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Here's what the point is. We need both preserved. Your soul needs preservation. Because many of us have tried to put new wine. We've invited God in, but we have old wineskins. We have old ways of thinking. And when God doesn't fit our old ways of thinking, we give up. It actually hurts us sometimes. It crushes us. I expected this of God, and it didn't happen. Sometimes God's trying for newness, and, and he's continually pouring renewal into our spirits. And so that new wine is precious. If God is speaking to you, receive that wine. If God is tugging your heart towards something, that is new wine. As we made the announcement for baptism, if God is going to continue to poke your heart this week over the next couple weeks and say, it's time for you to get baptized, don't ignore it. That's new wine coming into your wineskin. Amen? That is what he is doing. You have to be open, ready, flexible. Don't get to the kind. Don't, don't get too um, skimpy with God. Don't start making deals with him. Don't be like, okay, I see what you like me do, but I don't want to do that. In case, I need you to do this first. And do, no, no, no. A new wineskin says, I'm going to be open and ready and flexible. Whatever you want, Lord, your will be done in my life. And that's where God comes in newness. That's where he strikes us with some new revelation, some new power, some new experience or encounter with him. And that's so good. <laughs> so here's a couple of quick thoughts. If you're thinking like, well, Pastor Mark, how do I get a new wineskin? What does that mean? What does that look like? Here's a couple of thoughts. Number one is realize that the old way doesn't work. There's some framework that you might be living under that isn't working for you to experience the life, the joy, and the peace that passes understanding that Christ has promised us in this faith walk. If you're like, it's just not working for me, then we might have to look and be like, am I thinking about this the right way? Am I perceiving this the right way? Am I still thinking like a Pharisee where I have to earn my way into God's righteousness rather than accept that he paid the price so I am right because of what he has done, not what I do? That I, it doesn't matter what I have done, he re- I'm received into a new family when I proclaim Jesus. Realize my old ways of thinking aren't going to cut it. Some of us are serving in church, and when we serve, we serve with the greatest heart, but we're still serving, thinking like, Lord, do you see me? Do you see what I'm doing? Is this good enough? Right? No, for real. And we're like, Lord, Lord, you see what I did today, yeah? Like, I put up the sound wall with the pastor. You know what I mean? For real. But this is, this is our heart. An open and flexible heart says, Lord, I'm just going to serve you without any expectation. I'm going to serve you without looking for approval in my work, in my doing. But I trust that in Christ's doing, I've already received everything I need out of him. So I don't need to kind of continue to please him by work. I work because he's loved me first. So realize that the, the old way of thinking does not work. Number two is this. Desire more of Jesus in your life. Do you actually want new wine? That's a good question. Do you really want Jesus to do something new in your life? That's a, it's a legit question. If you're like, no, I'm actually kind of happy with the status quo. Let me tell you, when you invite Jesus into your life, the status quo of your faith is in serious jeopardy, right? He is continually pushing on it and saying, wait, you think that's it? I'm going to bring something more. 
And you're like, no, but Jesus, my, my Christianity is comfortable. I love going to church on Sundays and going to small group and doing A, B, and C. And God's saying, oh, guess what? I got D, E, and F right outside for you. Come on. He's got something new and it's waiting for you. So if you feel like this is it, if you come to church on Sunday and you're like, what? This is it. This is what Christianity is all about. No. Christianity is about an, an ever active and present God who lives in your soul and he's going to continue to transform other people as they interact with you in all kinds of different ways. And he's going to show miracles. There's going to be signs. There's going to be um, just love pouring out from the Father himself into your heart. And I just believe that if that hasn't been an experience of your life, that it's still available to you. It's coming. I believe that. I believe that for our church. I believe that there's a new season for our church where as a whole, as a family, we're going to experience some newness. Amen? Anybody hoping and believing that with me? Amen. Come on. So Jesus, but you got to desire Jesus. Check out what Jesus says. He says it this way. He says, Lamentations 3, I will never forget this awful time. Lamentations is a guy's complaining. As I grieve over my loss, yet, wait, I went through something really hard, yet I dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Every day I wake up, I start with a clean slate. God doesn't hold on to grudges. He doesn't keep record of wrongs. He's like, brand new day, bro. What you gonna do? Get up, serve me, love people. Get up, change lives. This is what he's saying. Every single day, your mercy is new. The mercy that is covering you. The things that you deserve in life, he wipes away every morning. The bad things, I should say. The good things he blesses us with. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. Who what? To those who search for him. I need to foster a hunger for Jesus in my life if I want to see newness. Amen? If I don't have a hunger for Jesus, if I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Jesus can only give me when I'm like will it, ready to receive. Amen? If I'm like, Jesus, I need more. I want more. I want to see you deeper. I want to see you louder. I want to see you more miraculously than I've ever experienced. We got to have a hunger for that. Amen? And a persistence. Can I give you one more story? I was just talking to a friend who's an evangelist. He just spent a trip from Hawaii to uh, New York, and he was going to speak at a place in New York. And God put him on the plane, and like, dude will preach. He's an evangelist. So he, like, like everybody, he's like in line at 7-Eleven. He's trying to get people saved and stuff. He's the guy, and he's on this airplane. He sits next to an atheist for 11 hours. It's an 11-hour flight. He starts talking story before the plane takes off. And he said, he's like, bro, Mark, it was one of the most incredible conversations. We didn't argue. We didn't debate. He was a strong atheist. He's, he was in the science world. He's actually contributed to work that people have used to make arguments against the faith, so to speak. And he said this. He said, Mark, I was talking with him, and we were just, like, listening to each other. And he's just like, I'm just sharing. He was sharing some identity stuff, you know, um, just heart and soul things about the Bible, not necessarily all the factual stuff. And he was just sharing. And 11 hours later, he said, as we landed, he received Christ. Isn't that amazing? And here's what it was. It wasn't like a convincing of all the facts or refuting science or whatever. It was understanding that in every single thing he studied and poured his life into, God was present the entire time. And when he had that revelation, he's like, brah. <laughs> 
how could I not give my life to the Lord? And so, but here's the idea. He, if you're going to talk for someone about Jesus for 11 hours on a flight, there's a hunger and a thirst in your spirit for more Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So we have to foster that kind of hunger and thirst. And this is me too. I told you guys this years ago, the pizza place we go to by our house, the guy kept asking me over the counter, hey, how's church going? I'm like, good, get my pizza out. Like they're opening doors for me, but I didn't have any hunger or thirst to see that person come to know the Lord in the moment. And God changed my, every time I go home, God's like, what are you doing? Like I'm giving you open doors just to share honestly about your faith. And he's like, and anyway, we end up talking later. Don't worry. But it was a good talk too. But here's the idea is that you have to foster a hunger and a thirst for Jesus. Here's another verse really quick. It says this, the one thing, uh, sorry, at the, and the one sitting on the throne, Revelation 21 says, look, I am making everything what? From Genesis to Revelation, God is on a journey to make things new again. Things have been broken. Shalom has been cracked. And he says, I'm going to put everything back and make it new. He is always about renewal. He said to me, write this down, because what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is pow. It's finished. I am the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are what? Thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water or life. Are you thirsty? Do you need to drink from the well that will never run dry? Because it's available. And so if I can foster, if I can wake up every morning being like Jesus, blow my mind today. Do something new. Surprise me. This is something, an invitation to foster a hunger to see Jesus greater than you have before. Amen? This is the God of newness. He's waiting to reveal himself in new ways, depending on how hungry and thirsty you are to see it. I believe that. So, the last one is this. Oh, pull my pocket. Last one is this. How to attain the new wineskin? Raise the bar of the exp- your expectation for God. So you got to get rid of the old wineskin. You have to want new wine to be put into your wineskin, and you have to see how far can this thing flex. I'm going to raise the bar of my expectation. I'm going to have this deep curiosity. Oh, God, you can really do that. Let's do it. I like see. You know what I mean? Expect him. Ask, it, ask for it, and it will be given. Jesus said it this way himself. You have not because you ask not. Ask in faith. Expect that the God who said, my kids don't deserve rocks, my kids deserve fish, is going to actually give you what you need. So let's raise the bar of expectation together. Can we do that? In this next season. In our hearts, it starts here. In our hearts, we raise the bar and say, okay, God, I believe you can do exceeding abundantly more than I can ask or think. I believe it, but I want to have the heart space to allow that to happen too. Amen? I want to have the the soul uh, capacity to when you do pour in wine, I have that capacity in my soul to say, yes, Jesus, more, more of you. Amen? And so we remember today, because we're going to take communion, we remember this morning that Jesus gave his blood and his body, and he said what? He said, do this in remembrance of me. When you eat the bread and you drink the wine, think of me when you're taking these elements. Why? Because God performed the greatest miracle of all time. And he says, don't forget this. Don't forget what I'm, what, not just what I did, but what I'm capable of continuing to do. To wash your sins away with my blood and to heal the brokenness with my own body. Amen? And so what we're going to do is, if you have a, a communion cup, I want you to spend a few minutes with the Lord. And we're going to put um, a worship video on. 
And as you read the words of that video and you process to God, I want to ask you to do this. Talk to God and ask in expectation, ask in faith for something greater than you think is possible. (laughs) Amen? Can you do that? Ask for something wild. There's no limits with God. And not that necessarily he'll give us every single thing we ask for, but the goal is to see how exercise the flexibility of my soul and my spirit. Amen? And we'll come back and we'll take those tablets together.
Church, would you stand with me as we take these elements? We remember that night when Jesus sat with his disciples and he broke bread and he said, do this through remembrance of me. Uh, let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We thank you, God, for the continual newness that you continue to bring into our lives. We thank you that you pivot, you shift, you change in order to make everything in our life new, to bring goodness and restoration and balance to what has been broken. And so, God, I just pray that we would have faith that what you did on the cross was final, that you said in your own words it is finished and that we can live in the finished, completed work of Christ on the cross and we walk in that freedom daily. So Jesus, be in our hearts, be in our spirits. God, open our hearts up to be flexible. Open our minds to think beyond what, our, what we've been taught growing up and what we've heard here and there. God, surprise us. Do something new in our lives. We trust you, the God of newness, the God of restoration, is still doing the work that you started in each one of our lives. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's take the elements together. Amen. Well, let, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have something on your heart and you need to talk to or need someone to pray over you, come stay over here. Sit in the front. We'd love to sit and pray with you. Other than that, Auntie Joanne and the team have some food. So can we give God one more round of applause to say thank you, Jesus, and we'll see you guys next week. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.